0: This is Salt City Hoops on ESPN 700. Your best insight into Utah Jazz Basketball and the NBA in Utah. For the next two hours, it's nothing but NBA conversation from the local front to around the association. Now let's get things rolling with Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700.
1: All right, everyone. Welcome into the Salt City Hoops show on ESPN 700. My name is Andy Larson. I'm the managing editor of saltcityhoops.com. We are the ESPN true hoop affiliate for the Utah Jazz. Joining me this week as my co host is Leighton Shumway. He's a contributing writer on, on SLCDunk.com, our our rival jazz fan <laughs> blog, if you will. Uh, former writer for the Deseret News. Um, current, I don't even know what it is that you do now for UVU, but it's it's fun, yeah. I'm sure. <laughs> um, no, it's a blast. I work in Leighton P- Shumway. Thank you.
2: Yeah, I, I work in PR at Utah Valley University. Uh, used to work at the Desert News in nowhere near a glamorous or as glamorous a role as some other folks, but happy to be here. Uh, thanks to Andy for the invite, especially.
1: Yeah, no problem. I mean, we're, we're happy to have you. Ben is in Vegas, so we're going to have him on the show in about seven minutes here, uh, kind of telling us what's going on in Vegas right now. I've been there all week since Friday, just got back last night. So, kind of again, bringing you coverage of the NBA Summer League um and all of the people who did and did not play in the in the jazz summer league you know Dante and Rodney disappointingly did not play any of this week's action why did I even go down there then well
2: for team building uh, I think we're going to talk about this later yeah
1: (laughs) no that's true um uh, and so anyway it it was a lot of fun I'm sure I'll have like several Vegas stories for you for the during the rest of the show um but Yeah, I mean, it it was a good time. Uh, And and just, it's fun to see all of the people down there. I mean, Summer League is such a a fun time because, you know, every GM is down there, every executive, every coach is down there, every ex player is there. I, you know, ran into Raja Bell, of all people. (laughs) Raja. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's an incredible event where, like, the entire NBA goes together and watch these players play. So, anyway, I. More coming on that. Um, I want to announce also our uh, Twitter handles, so that way you guys can reach out to us during the show. I'm at Andy B. Larson. Shums is at The Shums. That's correct. The, S-H-U-M-S. If you want to tweet us during the show, you can always call us as well, 877 if you want to, to weigh in on anything about the Jazz Summer League. We'll also be talking about the Utah Jazz model later on, whether or not they kind of made the right decision in, in free agency by standing pat with the medium and big name players and kind of going overseas for adding talent. Uh, and then we've got a lot to talk about around the NBA as well. Uh, Ennis Cantor was matched by the Thunder. Obviously, Ennis Cantor is a, a big topic for us. So. Our,
2: our great wrestling heel.
1: <laughs> yes. Um, has, has made the Thunder so much more of a fun enemy, really. is it, Those games are going to be a lot of fun coming up this year. Um, potential lockout in 2017 to discuss. Adam Silver and Michelle Roberts, the NBA uh, uh, PA Players Association rep. Thank you. Uh, and then Ty Lawson was arrested for DUI again. Wes Matthews got a whole big contract. Darren Williams is moving. All these former Jazz men moving around the league. We want to talk about that. Uh, we also want to talk about the NBA roster coming up, so uh, or sorry, the Jazz's roster coming up. So you know, right now they actually have eighteen to nineteen different players that they could conceivably have on this fifteen-man roster. It's going to be an interesting decision. Who do you cut? Who do you send down to the D League? We'll talk about that and talk a little bit of Jazz history, maybe a what if or two at the end. So anyway, that's what's coming up on, on the Salt City Hoop Show from seven to nine. Again, Andy Larson uh, and Layton Shumway here with you today. Let's start though with talking about the Summer League. And I, I'm curious, um, Layton, uh, what your your opinion is of, of what you've seen from Trey Lyles. I mean, obviously, a lot of hope there. Uh, let me just read the stats to you first. Sure. 9.6 points per game, 29.6% shooting, 2 for 16 from 3, which is not great, no. 52% free throw shooting. So it, that, that part of the, his game is also going badly maybe tells me that like he's just nervous, but... Five rebounds a game and one assist per game as well. He's moved well. He hasn't impressed me defensively, um, but it's <laughs> the shooting, especially, is almost evocative of another Trey, Trey Burke, and his and his <laughs> summer league performance.
2: Well, let's let's hope that that's not evocative or or a symbol of things to come. Um, you, you mentioned that Trey Lyles has moved well, and that's the biggest thing that stuck out to me as a positive, is uh, that he does move without the basketball a lot. He seems to make good decisions uh, with the basketball, though his assist per game numbers don't necessarily show that. <laughs> yeah, um, But he does seem like he's got more intelligence, more basketball IQ, and more willingness to move around and, and make the offense run than maybe he's been able to show yet. And I think one of the reasons for that is his uh, delay in joining the team. He didn't get a chance to play in some of the earlier games here in Salt Lake City for the Utah Jazz Summer League. Uh, due to contract negotiations right. and signing his rookie deal. And I think that did impact him maybe even more than I expected and maybe more than other people thought it would in coming to to kind of gel with the offense and with the rest of these players, most of whom have, have, had had that extra week to kind of establish a rapport with each other, I think.
1: Yeah, no, I, I think that's fair. and And maybe that's where you're not seeing... Yeah, I I think he's moving the ball well and and kind of running some of the plays, but I I don't know that he's a natural fit just quite yet. Mm -hmm. And and I agree that maybe not having the extra couple weeks of of practice and and the summer league mini camp and that sort of thing has hurt his shooting. Because, you know, you can totally see that uh, being in a, a new and different environment. Especially at altitude, maybe you can explain that first game away, although since then he's played four more. So, (laughs) Uh, yeah, no, it's been a little bit of an interesting fit. And, you know, obviously he's so young that it's it's hard to say he's a failure, but um, and and way too soon and way too soon. Yeah. But I I, I am a little bit worried. I mean, it, it was something that he also struggled with performance wise in college. And everyone says that he's got the right stroke. So that, you know, that's there. It's just kind of a ball's not going in the basket. And we'll see if that sort of thing is improvable. That for whatever reason, the Jazz feel that they can teach shooting really well. Uh, they, you know, they've clearly acquired a lot of players whose shooting is not their number one asset. They didn't draft a Devin Booker, for example, right. who, who could have shot the ball right away, but you needed to teach the other skills. Trey Lyles is almost kind of the opposite. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if, if he can develop that as part of his game, because if, if he can, honestly, he'll be a tremendous player.
2: Yeah, he could definitely be an asset. You mentioned that his, his shooting motion does look good. And from what I've seen, I think that's true. But at a certain point, you just have to, you know, the numbers don't lie. He hadn't really shown in college that he was a consistent shooter. And uh, I think that is a pretty good sign or, or a, a discomfiting sign of his future performance. Because eventually if, you're, if your form is good but you can't do it in a game, doesn't matter how good you look in practice.
1: Right. Yeah, no, it's that's a good point. And I think we've seen that with from some shooters, you know, everyone talks about how Shaq is apparently a pretty decent free throw shooter in right. practice, right? But then, you know, during the game for whatever reason it doesn't work. Do we have Ben on the air? Oh, yeah, sorry. We have we have to get Ben's number. Ben Dowsett joining us, like we said earlier on in the show, we have to actually, you know, call him in order for him to reach us. That seems reasonable. Right? I, I
2: think I'm a poor facsimile f- of filling in for Ben in the studio.
1: <laughs> no, you're not. You're not giving yourself enough credit. Come on. I
2: man. mean, I would rather be in Vegas. Let's be, let's be honest. <laughs> I think we all would. Yeah. Some no. of us have to work, and uh, some of us, oh, it is not our jobs anymore to uh, cover sports for a
1: living. But it, but it was, and that's, that's important.
2: <laughs> um, I, that's what I tell myself. And you know. I
1: mean, you're still covering sports a little bit for UVU, right?
2: I do. I cover some of our athletic programs. UVU soccer, men's soccer, only a Division One NCAA men's soccer program in the state. Little plug there. Sorry. No, that's I'm fair. a company man. I got to do it.
1: <laughs> well, and it's. I, I mean, this is this is a lake. This and you, both you and I love soccer, so I'm, we're we're not going to get into an extensive soccer conversation here. But like.
2: I will just say that we do have ties to Real Salt Lake because our head coach at UVU of our men's soccer program is Greg Moss, who was the former Real Salt Lake youth coach. Oh, cool. So, strong ties between UVU and Real Salt Lake. Excellent.
1: All right. Well, moving on, continuing <laughs> to talk about the Jazz for a second. Sorry. The player who has played well, <laughs> and I, I, like I said, I love the soccer conversation. The the Jazz man who has played pretty well in, in the Summer League is Bryce Cotton, their leading scorer, um, and... Uh, Let's just read the stats again. Fifteen point four points per game. Uh, he's only shooting that on thirty-eight percent field goal. So you know he's he's putting up a lot of shots in order to get there. Six of twenty from three. That's pretty respectable. Probably better than I sh- think he would shoot over the you know an aggregate twenty shots um, from three. Three point eight rebounds per game. Four assists per game. And one point four steals per game. So he's he's kind of contributing at these other things as well. Mm-hmm. I like what I've seen from Bryce Cotton, despite maybe not making as many shots as you would have hoped. And certainly not in the last couple of games. He shot
2: better here in Salt Lake City than he has in the games in Vegas. Yeah. Although I think that's true probably for kind of the whole team. The the Jazz as a team performed better. And maybe that was because they had the assistance of Dante Exum and Rodney Hood for some of the games here in Utah.
1: Yeah, so they had him them for one of the games, and then plus you get the home court advantage, which was just not at Incredible. all there in Vegas. I mean, yeah, for the, in in Utah it was fantastic. Eight to 12,000 fans cheering you on, you know, clearly all Jazz fans. And then all the Jazz's Vegas games have been, like, incredibly sparsely populated and, and maybe a 1,000 fans at best. Um, it, it's a different atmosphere. And, you know, obviously we've seen the Jazz do much better at home than on the road for the last ever <laughs> since <laughs> Pretty much forever. forever. Yeah. Um, and, you know, so I, I don't think that that's necessarily a surprise that they've won all the games in Utah and, and have lost all but one in, in Vegas. We do have Ben Dowsett on the line, though. Ben is the regular co-host of this program, associate editor of Salt City Hoops. He joins us from Las Vegas. Um, ben, are you there?
3: I am. What's up, guys?
1: Hey, it's great to have you on your own show. Hey, Ben. Um, <laughs>
3: yeah. Thanks for having me.
1: Of, of course. <laughs> so tell me, I, I've been gone. Like I said, I flew out uh, Wednesday. What's been going on on the last two days? I understand that you attended a ping pong tournament. There have been more basketball Ooh. games. Tell me, tell me what I've missed out on. I, I did attend a ping
3: pong tournament that's the uh the mori Morey puts it on it's a for I, I don't remember exactly which foundation which makes me a terrible person i'm sure <laughs> but uh they uh yeah it was a that was quite the event it was out at the palms casino and it was uh it was as as posh of a ping pong tournament as I think you'll find, it was uh, kind of like a nightclub but with six ping pong tables in the middle. <laughs>
1: okay. Uh, wow. Yeah,
3: it was, uh, and I guess uh, I was gone by the time by the time the finals happened. I was in the casino, but uh, I think uh, I think Maury made the finals and just barely lost uh, to some like like ringer semi professional ping pong player or something like that. So he'll be devastated for the next year, I suppose. Uh, as far as more serious things that have been going on, um, the, the ping pong
2: is serious, good. man.
3: <laughs> it's true. It's true. That is very true. Like, um, the, as far as the basketball, the, the, the games have, I'll admit when you're here for a few days by the, by the latter days there, you start watching maybe a little bit less like I've watched as much of the jazz as I can obviously but I've been, there have been times where I haven't been watching 100% of the time but the the intensity level has, pick, has definitely started to pick up once you got into the tournament so you know even it's, even though it's a, not the most important tournament in the world guys still want to win they're still competitive and you can see that the level has kind of picked up just just a little bit a little bit more talking a little bit more uh badgering of the refs I've noticed
0: mm-hmm.
1: some things
3: like that and uh and it's, it's been pretty good.
1: I wonder um, if, if the, you know, I think I counted that I had watched something like 25 games, basketball games, uh, in the last nine days from the Utah Jazz Summer League and then the Vegas Summer League, which has eight different games per day. Um, yeah. I, I wonder if that's, that's part of that malaise that you feel. is just like having I watched think, so yeah. many basketball games in, in succession.
3: And some of them just get kind of bad. You know, the six— who was it yesterday? The Sixers were playing, I believe, Dallas or somebody like that. And the you know the Sixers had Okafor out because it was their third straight day playing. Uh, both teams had a couple of their better guys out, and it was it was honestly a little tough to watch, even for like a diehard NBA junkie. They, these guys could barely catch the basketball because they were all exhausted. <laughs> the guys, the, the guys that were playing had, had again they played three straight days. Which even with the games being slightly shorter and everything, that's that's a lot. So yeah, even I think even the players start. I've I literally heard I don't remember which guy it was on which team, but I was sitting right under the basket in Cox Pavilion, and I remember I, one of the guy there was one point one seconds left on the clock with a player shooting a free throw right at the end of the game, and one guy turned to the, the guy on the other team and was like, "Man, one point one till we get out of here." Like, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, so I think they have a little bit of that kind of malaise as well.
1: Huh. Uh, I, I'm curious. Um and kind of putting you on the spot here a little bit, who would you say has been your biggest stud of, of the Vegas Summer League that you've seen, and who have you been most disappointed with, your biggest stud?
3: Huh. That's um, Biggest stud, I think you probably have to go with either Emmanuel Mudiay or Christoph Porzingis uh, thus far. I, I guess I'd lean toward Mudiay. I've been really, just really impressed with his overall floor game, his court sense. His kind of control over the game. He's the shooting is going to take some time for him to come along for him, but he's got every other tool I think that you could pretty much ask for. He, he's got a lead upside as a defender, and then Porzingis has been not perfect. He, but, you know, today was his third straight game like some of those other guys, and so he he admitted that he was a little tired after the game. But once his conditioning comes into form, he's he can shoot. The guy the guy can really shoot. So I'd go with one of those two, and then as far as a dud, I haven't been thinking as much about guys who have really underperformed. Uh, honestly, I'm I, I, I'm going to go with a jazz direction on it. I've been just a little disappointed by Olivier Hamlin. Um I, I, I kind of just expected a little bit. I know you can't always expect great things out of second-round picks and everything like that, but he, he, with a much lower level of competition here than the NBA, has been really far from being able to create kind of anything for himself, and he really doesn't seem to offer that much in other areas as well i think he is at this point at least his chances of of making the roster this season look extremely slim to perhaps none
2: yeah that has been a disappointment watching him too you would think that like you said if if someone is of nba quality that they would have shown it in a situation like this even with lower uh caliber opponents
3: right he's got time i mean there's he's still young there's guys some guys develop later but as far as the The typical trajectory, the you know, uh, the can, yeah, the typical trajectory. He's he's definitely a little bit behind, and I I mean, I think someone like Cunningham has honestly pretty pretty vastly outplayed him here, Uh, and that that can't really be a good sign for a guy that's actually trying to make the NBA roster because Cunningham obviously won't be anywhere close.
2: Right. Actually, leads me into what what I was going to ask next of of the players that you have watched on the Jazz. Who do you think has uh, the best shot, if any shot? And there's a lot of players under, under contract, but who has the best shot, you think, of making the final roster?
3: Um, are we not including the kind of uh, Bryce Cotton, Jack Cooley uh, group, guys that have non-guaranteed contracts currently, or are we including those guys?
2: I mean, I think you could go either way. Maybe one or both. Maybe one that does have a, a non-guarantee um, in a contract and one that doesn't.
3: Okay, I I tweeted this a little bit earlier. I think that right now, based on uh, what I've seen from guys playing and some conversations I've had, I think the most likely, and nothing set in stone, of course, but I think the most likely outcome right now is that the Jazz are going to end up waving Grant Jarrett, who unfortunately got hurt at the Utah Summer League, uh, and then that'll leave them two roster spots, assuming they they keep Elijah Millsap, which I think they will. And then I think they're going to hold on to both Bryce Cotton and Chris Johnson, both of whom have impressed here. Uh, and impressed in Utah Summer League as well. They've been clearly the two most capable players for Utah since Rodney Hood and and Dante Exxon stopped playing in the games. And then I think they're going to send Jack Cooley and Olivier Hanlon down to the D-League and possibly J.J. O'Brien, possibly Cunningham, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, Another guy who's impressed, O'Brien is impressed. Um, I think he could on the road at making an NBA roster if he shores up a couple of things. And I've also liked uh, Jawan Johnson. Uh, I think he's played pretty well. I'm not... 100% sure how well his performance would translate over to the NBA. He's kind of he can't really create anything for himself as a big. He needs uh, he needs good players around him. But he's he's done the things that were asked of him and not really stepped out of his role too much. So those guys have kind of impressed. Though I don't think they really have any shot at making the roster. I think the only other guy that has a realistic chance at making the roster is probably Cooley. But because of some options with his D league contract, some things that Dan Clayton wrote about today. I don't know if you guys mentioned that already. Uh, because of those things, I think uh, Cooley and his performance, I think he's just a little more likely to get to not make the final roster and get sent to Ido.
1: Yeah, we hadn't mentioned that article yet, but again, by Dan Clayton on saltcityhoops.com. Check that out um, if you guys haven't out, out there. Um, want to ask you about that game in particular yesterday. Obviously three games in a row, so kind of some tired legs. Was that kind of behind the, the loss and especially starting out slowly, or do you think there's more there?
3: I, I have to be honest. I missed the slow start because I was in doing video in the other after okay. the post game post game interviews of the other game. But from what I saw, I mean, I got back and it was near. They were down nearly twenty. Um, they, yeah, they definitely. You could see some tired legs, though. I think those were there on both sides. Caught um, Bryce had a, a good game yesterday. If maybe not his best one of the tournament, which same thing could be attributed to, to a bit of fatigue. And uh, you know that I think they they did now that they're in sort of the tournament, and other teams are kind of leaning on their best players a little more. And the Jazz are now missing, you know, in Hood and Exum, the guys who kind of anchored them at the start of the summer, at least. I know it's been you know a week and a half since then or whatever, but I think they've kind of, they've sort of run out of steam to a certain point. And some of it is also just that with players of this caliber, sometimes shots just miss more often, you know, and sometimes the other team makes them a little more often there and. I think there's a little more variance as far as which teams win these games, with the with the talent level being a little bit more uh, varied.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's fair. Um, kind of as part of that, Trey Lyles. What what do you make of his performance thus far? You know, kind of break it down for me too in terms of both his offensive and defensive game. Well, you know, I think
3: he looks he looks very comfortable as far as his feel for the game. He knows he knows where to move. He you know he knows for the most part where to stand. The exception. To that I think would be his play offensively in the pick and roll as a role man he's he has basically no experience doing it and you can tell he's he's not every basically never setting any real concrete screen he's trying to slip every screen and roll to the hoop before he makes any contact as a result the, those screens haven't necessarily been all that effective but again you know that's he never had to do that in college So you're talking about him trying to kind of instantly develop a skill that he's never really had to have before. And I think the Jazz understand that as far as a lot of things like that, you know, another thing he didn't have to do in college was rebound against guys his size or bigger inside. That's something he's had some issues here with as well also in Utah. I think that's just expected from the Jazz. They know that, this. you know, he's 19 years old and hasn't had to do this stuff for at least the last year and he's, he's, I think he's been a lot bigger and more agile than pretty much everyone he's played against to this point in his life. So I think they know it's going to be kind of a slow process. It really isn't about this year or maybe even next year for Trey. It's about developing the right set of skills and habits, and you know that'll be on the Jazz's uh, developmental team there, headed by Clint Snyder, obviously. I, I, I don't think really anything as far as the Jazz goes, any minds have been changed or any buyer's remorse or anything like that as far as drafting him, even though he – He hasn't been excellent. Certain parts of his game have have been iffy. But I I think he shows the outlines of a guy who could be a a quality NBA player.
1: Yeah, I I think he has the tools. It's just kind of whether or not he ends up doing the right things in the end. Like you say, making contact on screens, uh, moving his feet better defensively, those sort of things. Obviously, he's got the size. Uh, I think he's got the foundation of a game. It's just whether or not Quinn Snyder and staff can actually develop that all together. Yeah, he does
3: have to put on a little bit more weight, I think, which, again, will come. He's not—he's 19 years old. He's hes getting moved around a bit by other, you know, four-type guys. And even uh, in once or twice I've seen him kind of get moved around by, like, bigger wings. That thing obviously isn't going to fly eventually if the Jazz want him playing at the four. But he's got plenty of time to develop more of an NBA body.
1: But, Ben, he has the best proprioception of any player in this year's NBA draft class. That balance, man.
3: That's true, but he's still. I, I think if they did that test for every player in the league, and then also included things like their weight and things like that, he might uh, they, he might be a little lower down the uh, the totem pole there. Just because he's still so young
1: and hasn't really had to play against guys this big really ever before. Yeah, yeah. No, you're you're taking me too seriously. I'm just <laughs> I know. We were hoping I for know. the magic bullet. <laughs> All right, everyone. Well, that's Ben Dow, so We got to go ahead and take a break. But the the usual co-host of this program down in Vegas covering the NBA Summer League for us. Uh, check out his work also on saltcityhoops.com and basketballinsiders.com and at Ben underscore douse it on Twitter. Thanks, Ben, for joining us. Thanks for having me, guys. All right. Thanks again to Ben. we got to go ahead and take a break. On the other side, we want to talk about this interesting article by Kevin Arnovitz today of, of ESPN.com talking about the Utah Jazz model. You know, we've heard about the Oklahoma City Thunder model. We've heard about the Golden State model. How about the jazz model of building a team? We'll talk about that next coming up on the Salt City Hoops show on ESPN 700.
0: You're listening to Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700.
1: All right, welcome back into the Salt City Hoops show on ESPN 700. First of all, a shout-out to our producer, John Lafouette, for going downstairs and getting us pizza right now. That is the very best thing anyone can do for another person. Thank you, John. getting them pizza. So we're thrilled. I didn't even Pizza know will soon getting food. be in our bellies. Yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> I'm just excited. I I told you this during the break, but once I did the show, the very first time I did the show, I did it without food and I was like, I'll just eat it dinner afterwards. No big deal. And then I just died at the end of the show. I was like, I'm stumbling over words. I'm like, I don't care anymore. I don't the jazz and basketball is just blah. But Listen, it's with a, pizza, it'll be a different world. It's a
2: law of the universe. There's a reason why sports writers are always eating. They always have to have something to eat because this is exhausting work.
1: Yes. I mean, it's the best possible work. But
2: I hope everyone knows that my tongue is firmly in cheek when I say that. <laughs> like, it's ridiculous. But, yes, we we eat a lot. I am in full support of pizza.
1: It's like that we can do our jobs while eating, although maybe not on the radio so <laughs> <too> much. <laughs> maybe writing, though, we can. Yes, uh, yeah. I mean, who hasn't gotten grease stains on their keyboard every day? Yeah.
2: Listen, that's just that's normal wear and tear. That just happens.
1: <laughs> All right. Let Let's talk about this article by Kevin Kevin Arnovitz that came out today. And you know, it was, it was a league wide article that the Jazz was not the whole point of it, right? But I thought it was interesting that uh, now the Utah Jazz have become a model for how teams want to build their teams. Let me read to you the whole the the quote from Kevin Arnovitz in in today's article. Uh, It says, several coaches and GMs pointed to the Utah Jazz as an apt model, a young core that's growing up together under a development-oriented coach, where culture is an equalizer for markets often seen as less desirable. And you don't see Jazz general manager Dennis Lindsay run out and throw stupid money at a couple of free agents just so they can jump three spots in the West, says a rival GM. With all the new money, he can always do that next year or the year after that. This sentiment was echoed by a couple of other front office people, the idea that it's not always smart to add a player just because you can. Mm. You've had a couple of interesting articles on SLC Dunk about this idea of, of you know what the Jazz should be doing with their roster. Should they have added talent or should they kind of go this stay, hold the course sort of uh, philosophy? Where do you stand on this? I mean, can you see both sides?
2: Absolutely. Um, it's not just been me. It's been kind of the talk of the whole our whole side, I think it's it's been on the lips of, of every jazz fan right now because jazz fans are informed. I feel like they do know that uh, the salary cap is increasing, that there's money to be had, and that there are players to be had. But at the same time, I think they understand um, that the that the jazz's young core is something that deserves time and minutes to grow together. Something that we mentioned um, in the first segment, or maybe during the break, was that. Uh, many of the Jazz's young players, uh, not on the actual Summer League team, have nevertheless gone down to Vegas or been in town here to support the younger players. um, And to work out themselves, quite frankly. And to work out themselves and to get to know one another. And I think that speaks well to the kind of bond that's being built. And this model, as, as you say, and as this ESPN article points out, of developing together having a young core that consistently spends time together that uh helps each other develop different parts of their game and that that's better than throwing good money after bad even though there is money to be spent um and on the other side of it you might think or you might say that there's well if you don't use this money then you lose it because next year a whole bunch of other teams who have been looking toward 2016 as a time to spend free agent money, and so you might get outbid.
1: I think they will get outbid. I mean, for example, 27 different teams next year can free up money just by waiving on guaranteed guys or even will just have the cap space to sign Kevin Durant. Wow. So he can like literally go wherever he wants. He can take his pick. Now yeah. twenty
2: twenty seven teams will
1: not have a shot at him. No, right. The Jazz are not I mean, they will call Kevin Durant, sure, and his agent will be like, Sorry, I'm I'm busy on the line with the five other teams that actually are in that Kevin is interested in. But um yeah, I mean that so a lot of money is out there for next season and so you know you will probably have to overpay or at least from a today perspective overpay tomorrow in order to use that money then but i do think the advantage of of that wait until next year philosophy is that you know so much more about the guys that you have and you know where you can spend money you know everyone said that the jazz should sign a point guard this season in order mm. just to get better point guard at, at or at least national issues. said that yeah okay fair <laughs> um and uh, you know, quite frankly, it's a reasonable thing to say, well, let's find out what we have with Dante Exum. Let's give him year two to produce, and if he does produce, great. Then, you know, why would we ever spend money on a point guard that's probably going to be worse than Dante Exum if, if he develops in the way that he should? Um, if he doesn't develop, then, yeah, you can go out and maybe acquire a point guard in free agency or a trade next offseason. But you look down the roster and it's not just at the point guard position where that's true. It's it's at every position. Mm. I mean, with, with Rodney Hood, obviously the Jazz want to find out more about Rudy Gobert. If he can develop any semblance of an offensive game, that would be great. <laughs> look out, NBA. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, right now he's like working on that little eight-foot floater. Like, if, if he gets that, that's that's incredible. Um, as, You know, stuff like that where you want to know more about this team. Alec Burks is another one that sometimes right. I think people forget to mention. I mean, obviously he's... Dennis Lindsay likes to mention him always as the Jazz's biggest free agent pickup, which is a very little silly. disingenuous. It's a little silly. But, yeah. uh, but I, I am curious to see how he fits in and whether or not he has been able to develop from where he was at the beginning of last season when, quite frankly, he was a below-average player. Right. Uh, you know,
2: something that was interesting was even before the NBA draft this year when the Jazz picked up Trey Lyles, the interesting thing in, in kind of predicting and, and reading and also writing about, you know, the needs of, of the Jazz as far as roster and uh, personnel is they, and, and I saw this repeated nationally as well as locally, that the Jazz have players, have players at every position that they like. Mm-hmm. And if not that they like, then they at least want to find out more about. It. They need to know what they have. And so on the one hand, going into the draft, that meant that they had a large amount of freedom to kind of do whatever they want take the best player available, which I think maybe was was Trey Lyle's at the time. I really wish that we could have gotten Miles Turner, but the Indiana Pacers snatched him a pick earlier than the Jazz were able to. Jerks. Still still a little bitter about that. (laughs) Um, But I, I think that's true, and I think we are seeing that bear borne out as this free agency market has progressed. The Jazz have players they like at every position. They don't need to fill gaping holes. In fact, it's more important for them to take the time to figure out the genuine worth of every asset they do have, and then they can identify better where they need to improve.
1: Yeah, and, and quite honestly I do think that approach costs you a few wins this season. I mean, Absolutely. if if the Jazz would have for example the, the Wizards got Jared Dudley for a second round pick, the Jazz could have thrown in two and you know gotten right. Jared Dudley in a trade. He only makes I think it's less than 5 million. I think it's 4.6 million I next think right. season. Like it's it's a tremendous deal, um but they didn't want to take away minutes from Rodney Hood, Alec Burks and Gordon Hayward. They they see those guys as kind of splitting the time. Playing thirty-two minutes a game each and or you know, maybe thirty-five for Hayward, thirty-five for Burks, and thirty for Hood. But they didn't want to take away those minutes from any of those guys to give them to Jared Dudley, who's, you know, a known quantity at this point. Right. Um,
2: and that was one of the reasons why sorry to no you know, go ahead. that
1: was one of the reasons why I
2: think they didn't make a move for a more established veteran point guard. Again, those yeah. those minutes are so few and far between and, and we already see with how well Bryce Cotton has played with uh, the signing of, signing of uh, Raul Neto, um, we got point guards up the wazoo, and they're all kind of in this middle gray area of how good are they. We don't really know. Yeah, We haven't seen Raul play. We haven't seen Bryce Cotton play a lot outside of summer league in the end of last season. Trey Burke is maybe on the move, maybe not. Who knows? And Dante only played half of last season as a starter. We need to see more.
1: And, and obviously, you hope that literally all four of those guys improve from where oh, they were it, last year. To, I'd love to it. Now, yeah. Right. Of course. Um, now, you you assume that not all of them will because, you know, guys don't improve all the time. But if two of them do, then you have a, a legitimate point guard rotation. Yep. Um, I will say that I think the wing um, setup is a little bit fragile to me uh, in that if any of Gordon Hayward, Ronnie Hood, or Alec Brooks get hurt, then you're giving a lot of minutes to Joe Ingles and Elijah Millsap, who are are guys that the Jazz like, but quite frankly, statistics do not. <laughs> right. Um, and, and are just pretty inefficient players overall. And there you've you've hurt your team a lot by not having offensive options on the floor if you have to play those guys major minutes. So I I really do see both sides of that, and I I, I think it would have been a risk averse move to get Jared Dudley as even if even if he doesn't play right away, you know, he's he's still going to be on the Jazz. You know, he's a good enough guy. He's he's not a bad character player and to me that's that's the one move that I might say, okay, you're you may be going a little bit too far with that. But on the other hand, you you see what the Jazz are trying to do.
2: And having all those players again at the at a similar age, most of them under the age of, you know, 25 or around 25-26, um, being able to bond together and really, really grow together and build something—I, I—I don't want to repeat myself, but I—I I feel like it says so much that these players want to spend time around each other, as compared to some of the free agency shenanigans that we heard about. Yeah. You know, the the DeAndre Jordan situation and everything, um, the the rumors that we heard about that, and we're we're going to talk about that later probably. But I don't think, and it's hard to say this because you can't quantify it and it doesn't necessarily show up on the stat sheet. But I do think that team chemistry is important, and that players who like each other are important, especially for a market like this where you're not just selling the team, and you're definitely not really selling the market because it's so small. What you're selling is the camaraderie and the chance to win.
1: Yeah, no, I, I think that's fair. Maybe I, I obviously winning is number one there, um, but I, I do think the you know not rooting for a, a group of of jerks is is kind of important to this to this community.
2: Well there's been, you know, documented proof that or not proof, but at least articles written saying that that's why the Lakers haven't signed anybody this off season because they're scared to play with Kobe.
1: Still. Right. Yeah, no, I mean that's and cuz Kobe has his own little set of rules that you have to abide by in order to be a Lakers player and yep. and, and then that's that. Which again, LOL Lakers is <laughs> the, a tremendous thing um i'm super
2: on board with that i love
1: it yeah uh so i i agree like i'm just also kind of excited by the way that there is a jazz model that uh, that executives around the league are looking at because i i feel like for so long in basically the entirety of the ty corbin era there was no model there was there was a limited plan at best right which was be good right now uh with the players that you have and then when they weren't good enough, then you got some draft picks, and then they didn't play behind Al Jefferson and Paul Millsap. Uh, now there's a model. There's at least a, a clear philosophy. Even if you don't agree with it, it's develop the young guys at the expense of current talent. Yep. And and that's that's good to see. Yeah, I agree. All right. Well, let's go ahead and take a break. On the other side, we're going to be talking more about, actually, Ennis Cantor, speaking of uh-huh. the previously mentioned failed draft pick for the Utah Jazz. He got a maximum uh, offer sheet from the Portland Trail Blazers that was matched by the Oklahoma City Thunder. We're going to talk about, A, the, the uh, legacy of Ennis Cantor in Utah, and B, whether or not that the, the Thunder and the Blazers were both crazy. That's coming up next on the Salt City Hoop Show, ESPN 700.
0: All week long, they deal with this.
2: T-Bone, coffee now. Here you go, Tom. And this is two creams and three sugars? Yeah. Well, it's
0: too hot. Take it back and do it again. On Saturdays, they get to do this. And welcome back in. Sports Saturday. Trevor Allen, John and Dave Gore here with you. Sport with Dave, John, and Trevor. 10 to noon on ESPN 700 and ESPN700sports.com. T-Bone, do it again. You've made hundreds of decisions today from what to wear to excuses for being late. Dinner? Wait, dinner? No panic needed. Dinner is ready right now at Big Daddy's Pizza. Pick up a hot pepperoni, barbecue chicken, Hawaiian, or combo starting at just $5. Big Daddy's also delivers. Go to BigDaddy'sPizza.com. YouTube sensation Andy Case is coming to the club at 50 West and you're invited. Come check out Andy and her own personal take on today's hottest hits, many of which have over 5 million views on YouTube. She'll be performing live at the club at 50 West on Friday, July 17th. Tickets are only $12 in advance, 15 at the door. Join and share this event on Facebook and get a buy one, get one free voucher for the Cafe at 50 West. For more info, log on to 50westslc.com or call 385-229-1462. The
4: Johnson family had a savings account until their air conditioner died the martins had a vacation fund before their water heater quit the baileys have no savings and their refrigerator just broke the truth is it can only take one home system or appliance repair to break your piggy bank but buying a home warranty from american home shield can protect you against unexpected covered costs for valuable free information go to ahs.com or call 1-800-941-5549 Why pour money into repairs when American Home Shield will help pay covered repairs for you? Your air conditioner, plumbing, oven, refrigerator, water heater, and more. Service requests are subject to a service fee for each trade call. Some exclusions and limitations apply. The choice is yours. Pay for expensive home system and appliance repairs, or let AHS help pay covered repairs for you. If you want to avoid being hit hard by unexpected breakdowns, go to ahs.com for valuable free information, including terms, rates, and coverage. That's ahs.com. Or call 1-800-941-5549. 1-800-941-5549.
0: Share a Coke is back this summer with even more names and more ways to share. So find your name on a bottle today. And if you can't find your name in the stores, well, Broadway Media and Coca-Cola have teamed up to make sure you can. Go to CustomCokeCan.com and we'll make sure you get a complimentary can with your name on it. That's customcokecan.com. Coca-Cola, open happiness.
4: We're the stronger-than-we-look type. I've had type 1 diabetes since I was 2. The braver-than-you-think type. I have to take insulin shots every single day. The type that will stop at nothing.
1: No more blood sugar tests.
4: Absolutely nothing. No more complications. Until type 1 becomes type none.
1: Support JDRF's life-changing research, and one day you'll say, I helped turn type 1 into type none. Join us now at JDRF.org.
0: Where do you turn when you want the biggest events in sports that matter most to you? It's right here on ESPN 700. Nobody else in Utah brings you more and bigger games, matches, and championship events than Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700, Utah football and basketball, RSL soccer, the NBA draft, playoffs and finals, Major League Baseball weekly, and the World Series, NFL football every Sunday, plus all the ball games that matter, including the college football playoffs and title games. If it matters to you, we carry it here, your home of the biggest and best events in sports, is Utah's number one sports talk ESPN 700 nice turn Jill Toby isn't your sister doing a nice job as a new driver sure hey by the way dad have you ever smoked marijuana it's getting legalized everywhere so it's okay to do now right OMG Toby are you serious It's not legal everywhere, and it's not legal for kids at all. This conversation can happen anywhere, and your kids need to know the facts. 76% of teens agree that with legalization, teenagers may be more likely to experiment with marijuana. Legal or not, marijuana is harmful to teens developing brains and can cause permanent damage. It could also cause heart and respiratory problems. I heard it could lead to using other drugs. 61% of teens agree that teenagers who use marijuana are more likely to try heroin.
3: But marijuana has been around forever.
0: Sure, but the type that's out there now is stronger than when I was younger, so it's really important for you two to be careful. I never thought about that. Well, now's the time to start thinking about it. Now's the time to talk to your kids about substance use. Learn more at rosecrans.org. Talking hoops and the association. This is Salt City Hoops on ESPN 700.
1: All right. Welcome back into the Salt City Hoops show on ESPN 700. Our own Ben Dowsett we had earlier on in, in the show uh, in Vegas right now covering NBA Summer League. Just tweeted, Jazz's Dante Exum in attendance for Nuggets Hawks despite the Jazz's off day. Didn't see any of recognizable faces with him. But still, that Dante Exum is at a random Nuggets Hawks Summer League game In Las Vegas, when, okay, maybe I guess he's not 21, so he can't have that much fun. But, like, maybe that's where everyone else is. I don't know.
2: He's still an NBA NBA player. Come on.
1: Yeah. So you're saying he can get into the club if he so chooses? I
2: think he'll be allowed. He probably can make it. Not to say he's going to do anything illegal, of course, but I think he's getting in. I think he's on the list.
1: Yeah, okay, fine. But. I, I like I actually kind of like imagining like all of the older players going out and having fun without him and just like dropping him off at Thomas and Mac and like here's where you'll be babysat today. It's like the for me as a kid growing up, that was always the library, like my mom would always like go do her nails or something and then drop me off at the library while you know she did you know this this explains working, a lot about you, I think what that I spent time in the library, yeah, okay. I mean I guess that's a good thing, right? It's
2: absolutely a good thing. I was going to let you draw your own conclusions and that <laughs> the that the
1: audience, let the listeners also do that. Yeah.
2: I of course meant it as a compliment.
1: Thank you. Um <laughs> Dante but if, if you know, if library to Andy Larson is basketball court to Dante Exum, I'm okay with that. Like I
2: think that is a you know, a good omen, I would
1: say. Yeah. I I, I just love that he's there, you know, not representing the jazz, but like just watching a random basketball game, because he can. Speaking of that sort of, um, how about youth, let's say. Ennis Cantor, there's a great story of Ennis Cantor um, who did frequent the the clubs of Utah, even though he was not quite of age yet, and it's not exactly clear how that happened, and we're not (laughs) blaming anyone, but there are stories nevertheless. Ennis Cantor is no longer a jazz man, as you know, traded in February, was signed to a maximum offer sheet by the Portland Trailblazers this week, four years $70 $70 million. That's right. Uh, and then that was matched by the Oklahoma City Thunder on Monday, I believe.
2: So, Can I just say Portland Trailblazers troll game? Yeah. Strong. Like, top tier. Because this is not the first time that they've done this to current or former Jazz band. Go
1: ahead. List them <laughs> off. Who well, is Well,
2: I mean, so there's Paul Millsap, who eventually was retained. There Four was, years, $32 million. Mm-hmm. There was Wesley Matthews, who was not retained and ended up in Portland. Um, those are the first two that come to mind. I'm
1: yeah, n- the, there's one more that we're forgetting, and I I, I don't. Oh, we're gonna to this, we're gonna get it, reamed for this. If anyone
2: does. knows, tweet us and, and let yes. us know.
1: Um. This is something
2: that Portland likes to do. They this like is a to, repeated
1: trend for sure.
2: They like to find restricted free agents that they are pretty sure are going to get matched anyway, and just goose up the price tag just just for kicks and giggles.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I do think they wanted Wesley Matthews, and indeed get, and I do think they wanted Paul Millsap too, and didn't mm-hmm. get him. Um. I don't get why they would ever want Enes Kanter, though. <laughs> um, Enes Kanter, you know, people hate on Enes Kanter, and I think most of you listening out there know why. The biggest reason is that his defensive uh, liabilities outweigh his offensive strengths. At nearly any statistic, serious statistic, that looks at measuring defense, he's amongst the worst in the league. Um, for example, ESPN's real plus-minus, adjusted plus-minus, for, you know, basically it's it's... How the team does when Ennis Cantor is on the floor, adjusted for the quality of his teammates around him. He is a negative 2.72. That's, uh, I think, like 10th worst out of all the centers. He's around people like Justin Hamilton and Tariq Black and Greg Steves- Steemsma. Certainly wow. not max contract guys like you would think. I don't
2: know. Are those? I don't even Kendrick know if you're Perkins. making up some of those. Talks. Well, okay. Kendrick Perkins is at least a name I know. Uh, Former jazz man.
1: Yeah. Kendrick Perkins. Uh, Andrea Bargnani, to nobody's surprise, is at the bottom. Okay. Um, but that Cantor is in that sort of conversation. Does not speak highly of his ability to actually earn a maximum contract. Uh, he is he is a positive offensively. We'll give him that. Uh, it's a one point one five. Positive offensively, negative three point eight seven defensively. So that's that's regular, roughly points per hundred possessions, by the way. So mm-hmm. he's basically making you three ish points worse by himself when he's on the floor defensively. Now uh, you can make a case for him. For example, he was terrific last year offensively once he got traded to the Thunder. Mm-hmm. He had a twenty five per. You know, only a, the top ten players in the league had that sort of good per which is mostly an offensive stat. Right. Um, and he's only 23, so you could really see him. If, if he does develop a defensive ability, then you could absolutely see him becoming worth that money, especially in a rising cap era. That's but, a big if. Man. <laughs> That's so much <laughs> that money for Anaskanter.
2: That is $70 million if
1: right uh, there. And I remember when Dennis Lindsay, when, when the trade was made in February, Dennis Lindsay said, look, we, we made an analysis of the market, and we decided that there were too many teams out there with over $10 million in cap space that we felt that he was going to be getting it from somebody. And quite frankly, they can't pay, the Jazz can't pay everyone on the roster $10 million, say, just given the extension to Alec Burks. Obviously, Derek Favors and Gordon Hayward are are currently getting that. Looks like Rudy Gobert is going to be in line for a maximum deal. You can't you know possibly pay everybody. Right. Uh, that he got seventeen and a half million dollars, though, I think, is a surprise to everyone. Maybe even Max Ergul, who you know famously <laughs> called him one of the Enes Kanter's best... agent, by the way. Yes, thank you. Uh, Enes Kanter's agent, Max Ergul, called him one of the the best players of his generation. Which um, maybe a little bit of a language barrier could have there. been lost in
2: translation, but, but still,
1: even one of the best players of his age, or country i you know none of these things are particularly true i would say so i um i mean good luck thunder
2: Full stop. <laughs> that's just all andy can say
1: <laughs> i mean the good news okay I, i'm just trying to like sell this to myself in my head you know maybe you you put serge Ibaka next to him they didn't have a chance to really develop that partnership last year and you say you know he's kind of the perfect player to play next to him because he's got a jump shot and obviously the shot blocking ability so right uh you play Enes Kanter out front, jeez, but then you, you can't have him as a perimeter defender, so what do you do? I, I just, I don't, I'm, I don't if I'm a Thunder fan, I'm really, like, sad and disappointed and confused. Thank
2: you. <laughs> he's just a tough, he's a tough matchup, he's a tough, and by matchup I mean defensively, because who does he guard? Right. How do you hide him? Um, it, it is, he, he Enes Kanter definitely has his strengths. But in the modern NBA, it is hard to get him on the floor in such a lineup and in such a way as to take advantage of those strengths. Maybe, like you say, Serge Ibaka is a player that can do it with him. But even so, I mean, uh, the other Thunder starters are, you know, good defenders, but not amazing. They're not going to cover for him necessarily. Russell Westbrook might, but... Others might not.
1: Some, I mean, there's a lot of disagreement about whether or not Russell Westbrook is a good defender or right. like a, a, a bad one. Um, and so that'll be interesting to see. But if if I'm like the Golden State Warriors or really any team next season, I'm running Russell Westbrook and Escanter Pick and Rolls and seeing if they can stop it. Absolutely. Because, I mean, quite frankly, when they ran Trey Birkin and a picking pick and rolls against the Jazz, we saw that fail time and time again. Mm-hmm.
2: And one of the big reasons that the Jazz's defense has improved is because with Rudy Gobert back there, it, it becomes a lot easier for the point guard or the perimeter defender to take chances to stay with, to go uh, to catch up on screens because he knows he has help behind
1: him. Right. And maybe with Serge Ibaka there, you can have some of that. But the Thunder also had Steven Adams and, and like, uh, Mitch McGarry. They have good players there. It's just so confusing. To me. I'm sorry. <laughs> It's so confusing, in fact. We're going to take a break. On the other side, we're going to talk around the NBA, some of the moves and, and lockout talk, et cetera, that's going on around, around the league. You're listening to Salt City Hoops on ESPN 700.
0: Analytics and opinions on the jazz and the rest of the NBA. This is Salt City Hoops on ESPN 700.
1: Welcome back into the Salt City Hoops show on ESPN 700. My name's Andy Larson. Here instead of with Ben Dowsett, as per usual, I'm here with Layton Shumway, Writer for SLC Dunk, and formerly of the Deseret News, and just all-around great guy. Oh, stop it. <laughs> it but it's true. All I mean, right. I, I I'll take lie. it. I can lie. Ben Dowsett is in Vegas, hence why he's not on the show today. So,
2: Well, we did hear him earlier. We did,
1: yeah, we did hear him earlier. So if you want to listen to that, by the way, all of our shows are put on iTunes and Stitcher and SaltCityHoops.com and ESPN700Sports.com. But really, you, st- you throw a stone and you can't avoid listening to our show. Um, by the way, you can also tweet us at Andy B Larson at the Shums for you. Correct. Uh, and we will we will read your tweets on the air. You can also call us if you're like super enthusiastic eight seven seven three five three zero seven hundred. We want to talk about some of the stuff that's going on around the league right now, though. And, and there's a long list of things that have happened over the last week since we had our last show. One, I, I want to start with the, the league-wide stuff uh, that, that came out yesterday. Some back and forth from the NBA and and the Players Association on the current state of the NBA. Adam Silver had a, a press conference at NBA Summer League. I believe that was Tuesday. He uh, said, Let's see. I, I, a significant number of teams are continuing to lose money, and they continue to lose money because their expenses exceed their revenue. Are there other ways to lose money, by the way? <laughs> I'm going I'm to throw that out there. I
2: think. Well, I mean, you could gamble it, I suppose.
1: Um, Las Vegas, right? Blaming some of the enormous amounts of money on payroll for those for those uh, expenses that exceed the revenue, allegedly. Then Michelle Roberts came out today. Uh, and kind of did a point-by-point breakdown of, of Adam Silver's remarks. A rebuttal, even. Yes, thank you. Uh, basically saying, all of the data that we have access to indicates that our business is thriving and will continue to do so for the near future. And so it, basically, he's like, dude, Adam. She's like, dude, Adam. Uh, you're paying so much people money because you're making literally double it by by contract. You You give us 50%, you get 50%. If we're making a lot of money, you have to make a lot of money, too. So why why are you possibly complaining? Nevertheless, there's this split in between the two sides. Uh, both sides can opt out of the current CBA in 2017. It looks like at least one, if not both of the parties, will do so. And we could be in for another lockout if at that point. Uh, um, how are you? Which is, which is crazy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Roger Mason Jr. joining us on the show, (laughs) Um, which is crazy because, you know, given that they have the ridiculous TV deal, the $24 billion TV deal, it doesn't make sense that they should want to stop that party to squabble over percentages because, you know, 47% is is less than 50% or is less than 53%. You know, you can imagine a range there that you would want that both sides would want that BRI percent to be, so, so they get a bigger slice of the pie. But quite frankly, why does it matter? You know, when you're making $20 million, $22 million is not that much more money. I don't know.
2: It's, it's not that big. I, I like you putting your uh, math background to work there. Yeah. Yes, 50% is more than 47%. I know.
1: That's, that's really what they teach you. I went to a fine college at Westminster College, <laughs> and the, you know, my thesis project was that 53 is more than 50 it was, it was a brilliant piece of mathematics. I imagine that was uh,
2: <laughs> easy to prove. I, I would like to see the proof on that. No, um, I think it's it. It is a little. <laughs> I was about to say it's a little rich, <laughs> but not not. Uh, no pun intended. That I words are hard. Um, <laughs> you, John, um, it's a little rich. It's a little silly of Adam Silver. To come out and say this, as you said, right after this new TV deal was signed, right after we just had this fire sale on the Clippers, where Steve Ballmer pays this exorbitant amount of money, more money than, than had ever been paid for an NBA franchise.
1: Yeah, look, if you're losing $5 million a year, let's say, you are making $1 billion in the, the valuation of your franchise, so mm-hmm. it, you know if you bought your franchise for four hundred million dollars two years ago, and now all of a sudden it's worth literally one billion dollars, it's probably a fair valuation for you know fifteen of the teams in the league. You don't care that you lost five million dollars one year because you've made six hundred million dollars. Again, math background, look at that <laughs> subtraction on the air. Um, yeah, the, the sign—it's it's absurd. The sign
2: that so many people would line up. Are begging, there's a waiting list to buy an NBA franchise and every time one is threatened to be moving or sold or whatever, like, it's there is no shortage of takers for these teams and if they were losing money that badly as a league why would there be all these billionaires lining up to buy teams?
1: To the point where state governments are, are, you know, Lining up, despite all the evidence to the contrary that it's a bad idea, to actually give tons of funding to these stadiums. I mean, the Bucks voted yesterday to uh, approve, the State Senate approved their uh, stadium deal, 21-10, to 10, in order to pay, again, more hundreds of millions of dollars to the team, to billionaires who already, you know, have plenty of money to spend on stadiums themselves. It's, right. it's obnoxious, it's disingenuous, and, like, look, the players aren't brilliant here, too, like I said uh, you know, the difference between twenty-two million dollars and twenty million dollars is just not that much overall. Um, but it, it's just well, it's just kind of disingenuous us from both sides, maybe especially the NBA.
2: What the league is trying to do is kind of idiot proof against its own, you know, owners. Essentially, they're trying to make it so that situations like you know, with the Brooklyn Nets and uh, their Russian oligarch owner uh, Mikhail Prokhorov don't come in and mismanage their way into a, a situation where the team can't be competitive or or mortgaging their future for years to come. They're trying to make it so that that is impossible to happen, but you can't protect people from those, themselves.
1: Does anyone actually feel sorry for Mikhail Prokhorov Not and in his... Least. Sh- semi-shady, completely unsubstantiated russian mafia ties <laughs> for him to be losing like 8 million dollars on an asset that he again has has appreciated probably double since he purchased it. Like it's just it's it's tiring, it's intellectually, I don't know, false uh, just to be able to argue this. I love Adam Silver. I I the the sexy silver chance of his VP <laughs> of of commission dumb I, I still remember fondly. I and mean, he is like a goofy guy that literally everyone around the league loves. But, you know, it's just obnoxious when his his job is to make arguments like this that are probably just false. Agreed. Let's move on. Rule changes might be coming uh to the league. It yeah. looks like next year the, the guaranteed top four seeds for division winners will die. Um and the league might even eliminate the division champ tiebreaker. So like there's no point at all to win your division. You just are uh Deceded like everyone else. In short, there would be r- really no purpose for divisions other than you are guaranteed four games a year against that team in your division rather than three that you can have from from the other teams outside of your division. Right. But, you know, a clear step for actually eliminating divisions altogether. I like the move.
2: I like it too. Uh, the Jazz have been on the other end of this a couple times in the past. During the, during the Darren Williams era, mm-hmm. there were a couple times where... Even as division winners, they ended up, or not as division winners as, they, they got like a fifth seed when they should have had a fourth by record.
1: Yeah, so, and they've actually been on both sides of this. So yeah. There was that. There was one year where that was the case, and then there was one year where, where they was were the, the fourth seed, yep. but still didn't have home court advantage because they had a lower record. That's right. Um, along the lines of Portland this year, uh, again, the fourth seed, but did not have home court advantage. I mean, it used to be even worse, where there's just the top three division winners making it to the top three seeds. Right. Now that's not the case anymore. Uh, I think this is a clear evolution in that, and and quite frankly, at that point, why do we have divisions really anyway? Right.
2: We're moving to the point, I think, where, and it it may not be soon, but where it makes the most sense, simply just say, there's an Eastern Conference and a Western
1: Conference, and we go straight by record, one through eight. I'm glad, by the way, that you brought up Darren Williams, because... Oh, the seed segue? Yes. (laughs) Yes. Darren Williams was bought out by the Brooklyn Nets this week uh, and then signed a two-year, $10 million deal with the Mavericks. That's fun. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, I, I a, am excited to see Darren Williams in the Western Conference again um, just because I, I felt like we didn't see him enough in, in Utah in Energy Solutions. Uh, and I'm kind of excited for what he can do maybe with the Mavericks. I mean, I, I heard a lot. I actually talked to Tim Bontemps down at, down at Summer League. He's the beat writer for the the Brooklyn Nets. And he said, uh, again repeatedly, that Darren Williams' problems were much more mental than physical. Sure, he had the wrist problem, he had the ankle problem and all of that. But more than anything, it was kind of the mental whatever was going on there. Maybe it was that they were losing. Maybe it was that he was a jerk. Maybe it was that he didn't like the coaches. But if he's in the right situation... Tim believed, and and I I don't disagree that he can be a good player still, a, a very good player. Mm-hmm. If he can be that in the Mavericks, with the Mavericks in his hometown in Dallas, I, I you know what a great move for the Mavericks.
2: Exactly, and I you just said the most important word there, which is hometown. Dallas is Darren Williams' hometown. It will be a place where he's felt more comfortable than at any time in the past in his entire NBA career, or maybe even his college career. Um, he, I, I know that there are still stories that he likes Utah that he keeps in, uh, off season home here. Yeah. Um, so he, he had a certain level of comfort here, but definitely feel, I'm sure he feels more at home in Dallas. And I think it's a great deal for the Mavericks.
1: Yeah. I, th- I think from, from his camp, it sounded like there would be two places where he would be really, really comfortable with going. And that was either Dallas and Utah, uh, just because he, you know, his former and previously former home, I guess I could say. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Utah not interested due to a number norm- number of circumstances. Most definitely, that he burned the franchise so <laughs> previously, completely. You know, five years ago now. Uh, Though it so was Dallas was really his only option, and and it's good that that worked out.
2: I mean, it's it's fair to mention that he probably would have come right in and been statistically the best Jazz point guard oh, for from sure. day one. Yeah, um, maybe not defensively anymore, depending on how how active he is. But anyway. In a basketball sense, it might have made sense, but yeah, he's burned too many bridges here, unfortunately, and it's too bad because I think he still likes the state, and and
1: I don't really bear him
2: as much ill will as I may have <laughs> once upon a time. <laughs> yeah,
1: no, that's fair. I think you know time heals all wounds, and I think this one is is starting to heal. Three Mavericks point guards, by the way. This is this is a fun trivia note. Darren Williams now, Ray Felton, and J.J. Barea all have identical birth dates. They were all born on June 26, 1984. That is crazy. The odds of that are ridiculous. They are like <laughs> one in like 100,000. It's it's absurd how unlikely it is that they would both have the same birthday. All three of them would have the same birthday. Um, as Tom Ziller notes, they should trade Devin Harris and really just make <laughs> the entire rotation all June 26 of 1984.
2: I just, I have one thing to say on this, and it's thank goodness that there won't be NBA basketball played on that day, (laughs) because that could get interesting.
1: (laughs) That's a good point. The the Mavs may be without a point guard that day, Uh, or the next day. Yeah, more likely the next day. (laughs) Speaking of that, um, Wesley Matthews, not really speaking of that, speaking of former Jazzmen, Wesley Matthews... uh, so I had previously agreed to a deal with the Dallas Mavericks. Then the whole DeAndre Jordan situation happened, which we exclusively covered, not exclusively, it, entirely covered last week on the show when all this news was breaking while we did the show. That was. That was oh, really yeah.
2: Fun. You guys were so, on the air when that was we all were. happening. Oh, yeah. my God. It was so much fun.
1: <laughs> um,. He his deal actually got upgraded. He got thirteen million dollars more over the life of his contract because DeAndre Jordan left and and the Mavs had more money to pay. So he's mm-hmm. actually getting a max deal now. Four years, seventy million dollars for a player that just came off an Achilles tear. We've seen firsthand in Utah what an Achilles player a tear can do to a player with memo occur. Right. I'm worried that if West Matthews loses that ten percent that memo did. Uh, he'll be uh, nowhere near as effective of a player.
2: Right. And it may have even been – it may be worse for Wes uh, because he's younger, he's earlier in his career, and he's also not uh, a big man. Right. You expect to ser- – I mean, Mehmet Okura, love him to death, was not the fastest player on the court and was not going to blow by you. And so his Achilles issues may not have made the biggest difference. With Wes Matthews, he needs to get open for his shots. He needs to be able to get the lift on those shots to uh, beat defenders. Um, the Achilles issue is not a good sign, and it it seems like it's it's a deal that the Mavericks had to do simply because they had the money to do it after, uh, I mean, they signed him before, but even after, uh, DeAndre Jordan didn't end up with them. Uh, I'm concerned. I like Wes Matthews a lot as a player, but I, I don't know if, I, I think maybe three or four years from now that might be not looking so great for the maps.
1: Yeah, I mean, again, the cap's going up, so maybe it starts to look a little bit better. But if he doesn't play well, he's not going to be worth 15. He'll be worth, you know, three. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that's a big difference. I think they're hoping with the, the pay upgrade that, worst case, they can use him in a trade down the road for a, a superstar-level player with that sort of right. salary. Uh, but that's a, that's a lot of hope, right? You know, Lots of hope. That's a, that's a risky reason to give a guy $17 million a year.
2: Credit, by the way, to uh, Mav's owner, Mark Cuban, love him or hate him. He gave Wes Matthews the opportunity to get out of the deal that he had agreed to yeah. when it became clear that DeAndre Jordan wasn't going to stay. Um, he told Wes Matthews, if this changes your mind about playing here, then no hard feelings. And yeah. Wes decided to stay. So.
1: Yeah, no, and I, and I think it's a good situation for him. Yep. Um, Ty Lawson, bad news there. <coughs> In the bad news category. Arrested for DUI again. That's the second time in six months. Oh man. Uh I Ty Lawson to me is actually very underrated as a player. Um I think he was either second or third last year in assists per game. Uh you know, eighteen points, nine assists sort of guy. He's actually so fast, a better defender than people give him credit for. I like Ty Lawson a lot and think he would actually be a perfect fit on this jazz roster if it weren't for the fact that he is a complete Head case, uh, getting these DUIs. I've heard so many stories of that Nuggets locker room where they would do everything possible to get Brian Shaw fired. And uh, the Jazz already had a point guard like that <laughs> 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 with um, Darren Williams, the previously mentioned Darren Williams.
2: Well, not to not to cast dispersions on him.
1: Uh, I don't know that he ever did anything
2: along the lines no, of DUIs. No, he did. You're right.
1: And Ty Lawson is so much worse.
2: And and I don't want to go too overboard. You know, that's. I. I uh, do not have the licensure to diagnose anyone as far as mental problems or anything like that, but I don't think it's a good sign, and I don't think Ty Lawson would ever have been a good fit for this organization, this franchise. Uh, he may have, again, fit basketball-wise. I do like him as a player, but uh, culture-wise, I don't think he would have been a good fit here in Utah.
1: It'll be interesting to see if he goes into rehab, if you know what his plan is come October if he wants to you know, pretend it didn't happen and kind of move forward with a new coach and a, and a new set of players, um, if the Nuggets will let him do that, or if he's traded to somewhere like Sacramento, although they just signed Rajon Rondo, maybe New York would take him. I mean, it's weird. I, I don't think he has any trade value at all. It may just be most likely that he's waived and, and isn't picked up until, um, until he goes through rehab because, quite mm-hmm. frankly, n- not a lot of teams want that sort of issue on their roster right now.
2: Though, to be fair, there, are, um, there have been past circumstances where players have, have cleaned up and, oh. uh, and gotten better and, and come back and been very effective players. Chris Anderson is the one I'm thinking
1: yeah, of. Yeah, uh, I was going to say Zach Randolph. Oh, exactly. Um, you know, again, one of the best players in the league, as, but you, know, you look at his Portland days, and you wouldn't blame any team for, not taking, for taking a pass on him. Right. And now, you know, look at where he is. He's been a model citizen ever since going to Memphis.
2: Sometimes players just need a change of scenery, change yeah. of organization and everything. And it's it's another indicator that, like, that's one of those things that you just can't quantify because, like you said, Andy, his on-court stats are terrific. Yep. Uh, and you just
1: got to hope that he lands in the right situation. Agreed. Uh, Joel Embiid will miss the entire 2015-16 season with another operation on his foot. Four Sixers. <laughs> That's such a bummer. Like, Joel Embiid was really exciting in college. Legitimately, his stats projected him to be one of the best draft picks in the last 10 years. Uh, and then this, this foot injury really changed things. I, I will say the Jazz had him red flagged. So even if he had fallen to number five, he was drafted number three by the Sixers. But even if he had been fallen to number five last year in, in the 2014 NBA draft, the Jazz would not have taken him because of this right. foot issue. Um, so. I mean, again, from a Jazz perspective, that's that's a note there. But just from a Sixers perspective, you'd like to see that team put it together. Joel Embiid was one player who really had a chance to become a superstar, and it's looking unlikely. I mean, so many of these big men have been derailed by these chronic foot, foot issues from, mm-hmm. from Walton on and on. Uh, you, you worry about it.
2: They're... D- it's def. It definitely wouldn't be something that the Jazz would agree to because they've had their troubles with drafting footmen or big men with foot issues. Footmen with big issues. Um, let's not go into that. Um, <laughs> it it is unfortunate. That's Greg Oden. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is Greg Oden. Um. It's it's too bad because I as much as the Sixers are kind of this you know joke and everyone just hey trust the process you know that's that's the line that everyone just throws out. They have been gathering these kinds of assets, and and I think that not this season, but, you know, coming soon, they would have been making moves to maybe get more competitive, and this just puts them behind again, and you're just like, is there no hope for these guys now?
1: Yeah. No, I agree. And they have such an unbalanced roster, too. Right. So many big men, so many really guys, I think that can really only play center in New Orleans, Noel, Embiid, and Okafor. Like, I don't see any mm-hmm. of those guys really being able to play power forward. Um... That it's, it's a weird thing that they, they have to really make it work. First of all, they just need any of those players to be really talented. New Noel showed a little bit last year. Uh, but, yeah, this is this is definitely a setback. Josh Smith signed with the Clippers today for the minimum. A, that's a great contract for them. For the minimum? Um, for the minimum, Oh, yeah. my
2: gosh. I didn't know it was for the minimum. Uh, that that's was the tremendous. only way they could
1: fit him in under the cap because right. they had used all their exceptions on everybody else, on Paul Pierce and... and Really the rest of their players so this is a
2: pure he wants to win. so
1: this is a pure situation. Josh Smith wants to win and bring his 20 footer shooting game to to an <laughs> arena near you. Um, but honestly that that team has had a really good offseason in the end. you know after they lost down to Jordan, I thought they were completely screwed. I mean we, we talked about it on the show. they seemed like they were in a lot of trouble, and now all of a sudden they look great, like adding Paul Pierce, you know obviously not the player he was, but still still an asset. Um, Josh Smith, same thing. Uh, you look, Lance Stevenson, again, head case, but if he's has talent. Like, if they put it together, they seem like actually a legitimate championship contender.
2: What they won't be is boring. They're going to yeah. be very interesting to watch, whether that means they will be good or <laughs> win a lot. I'm still not 100% sold on. I loved watching them in the playoffs. Uh, that series with the Spurs was just amazing watching. Yeah. Um, and it seems like they've only improved since then having said that that's a lot of volatile personalities and and in the in the uh in the run up to the DeAndre Jordan saga and uh his teammates locking him in his house apparently uh <laughs> there were rumors that he wasn't getting along with the other players that right. he was not do fitting so well with Chris feud, Paul. Exactly. That Chris Paul was being stingy, I'm told, with, with the high five giving, which I think was the joke. Give high fives everyone. Seriously, everyone, that you always. cannot you cannot withhold fives. That's not okay. Um <laughs> I think that's in the bro code. Uh, so they're volatile personalities, yeah. How will Paul Pierce fit into that? How will Ann Stevenson fit into that? Tons of talent. Almost, it it almost looks to me like a fantasy roster. It looks like if I had this roster in fantasy basketball, I would love it and I would win a league. I don't know if that means they'll win a championship in the actual NBA.
1: We'll see. No, I I think that's a good point. Uh Perry Jones the third got traded to the Celtics. Uh, I believe that was yesterday. Uh, Zaza Pachulia got traded to Dallas. So that's that's fun. Um, my favorite note though of all these news stories, <laughs> Boris Diaw. Spurs forward wrote a children's book um, for National Geographic magazine, just about hippos. It's called Hoops and Hippos. About
2: hippopotami. Yes, hippo.
1: Yeah, is it hippopotami or hippopotamuses? I think
2: both are valid, but either way, (laughs) what does Boris Dio know about either?
1: (laughs) Well, he went on a safari. Oh, is that what happened? Wrote a book about it, basically. Is this book available? But it's for children. No, it's not yet out, so it's it's going to be. In I, production, like yeah, in production and like available for purchase with the next issue of National Geographic or something like that. But like it's it's part of their they have a children's book series and he's writing the next one. Is is my okay. understanding? And it's about hippos and it's called Hoops and Hippos, which is a great name.
2: That's an amazing title. I don't know that Boris Diaw is the man to write it. <laughs> hey, you do you, Boris?
1: As yeah, a Renaissance man, indeed. All right, we're going to take a break. On the other side, we'll go back to some more jazz talk, talking about the roster, reading your tweets. That's next on the Salt City Hoops show, ESPN 700.
0: You're listening to Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700.
1: Welcome back into the Salt City Hoops show on ESPN 700. Andy Larson here with you alongside the Shums, Leighton Shumway. Audi. You can tweet him at The Shums, by the way. You can tweet me at Andy B. Larson. And indeed, Riley O'Brien has tweeted us at Riley O'Jazz. Is there a player on the current Jazz roster other than Rudy who you could see one day being in line for a max deal? Uh, Gordon Hayward actually has a max deal.
2: That's the short answer is and, that one of them already has one. Yeah,
1: and will be uh, you know, in the future. So long as he keeps playing like this, like there's no reason he wouldn't get a max in two years when he can opt out
2: especially given some of the numbers that some other players have received this off season, and knowing that the salary cap will extend, uh, continue to, to rise in the next couple of years. I see no reason why Gordon Hayward won't continue to be a max player. If he yeah, finished. I mean, although the
1: max is, is a percentage of the contract, of the right. cap, right? So, right. like, the, the cap raising just means that Hayward means more, makes more, more money, money. Not yeah. that it's more likely that he gets a max. But anyway. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, I would also say Derek Favors. Everyone's saying that that contract's a, a bargain, and I, I think it is. So if he were a free agent this summer, there's no question he would have gotten a max contract. If Ennis
2: Cantor just got a max contract, Derek Favors is getting a max
1: yes. contract. Um, Rodney Hood may have gotten a max contract. Like uh, you know, Again, if Wes Matthews and Damari Carroll did, maybe Rodney Hood does mm-hmm. after another season. Um, you know, If Dante Exum plays like people think he can play, he'll get a max contract. It's just Which, weird. Unfortunately, yeah. At a certain point, you can't have all the players. But if you have five max contract guys, then you're you're a championship contender.
2: You would hope. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, if, if you're not, then it's the a
1: bad news bears. But I mean, none of those maxes that I mentioned are bad maxes for the Jazz right now. Anyway, you know. Right. Um. Obviously, you wouldn't give either Exum or Hoda Max right now, um, but you would with Hayward, Favors, and Gobert. Quite frankly, mm-hmm, absolutely. Um. So. Anyway, it, it, it's good that the Jazz have productive contracts right now on a rookie on rookie deals cuz it's it's soon to go up. You could see them in fact trade maybe one of those guys for a you know, really good trade package later on down the road should it just become way too much money, right. you know, if it, if it was like 150 million dollars or something.
2: But I think that's something that the Jazz have done on purpose in the way that they've structured their deals in the way that they've not thrown a lot of money after free agents this offseason. They, I think, want to prioritize being able to have control of their own players first, whether that means as roster players uh, to build a championship roster or simply to control them as assets that they can then use in making further deals and retaining that kind of flexibility to continue to gain other assets. Um, I think that's always been their plan.
1: Yeah. Riley also tweeted, Is there a better contract in the NBA based on value plus return than Gordon Hayward's current deal? a lot of them are better. Like every a lot of max contracts, obviously like LeBron's is better. Um, Steph Curry's at 11 million dollars a year is a lot better. But Gordon Hayward's deal is pretty good. Don't I mean, it's it's not the best one in the league.
2: There are, there are good. a lot of contracts that look amazing now after the offseason that we've just had, but that's just because we're in the middle of this bubble. Right. Um but you're right that is Max players uh, at the very, very high end of the scale, your LeBrons and people like that, every statistical me- measure that I've read uh, says that they pay for themselves uh, multiple, multiple times yeah, over. Yeah. Uh, that they're worth every penny.
1: Yeah, I, I think five thirty eight had an article this week that was like, you know, LeBron James, if if it were an open market, would make like 60 to $70 million because— mm-hmm. He's worth it in terms of what he brings to your team and wins and then also what he sells off the court as well in merchandising and that sort of thing, ticket yep. sales, blah, blah. But we all know that LeBron James is good. Let's move <laughs> on to a harder question for the Jazz. Who do you keep and who do you cut? We've been looking at the roster during the break, and it's it's very full. It's uh, packed. Describe where where we are right now.
2: So I think we counted that we actually have twelve players under guaranteed contract for next year, and I'll just maybe.
1: Well, re- quite frankly, thirteen including, 13, Grant, including Jarrett.
2: Grant Jarrett, um, who we were talking about, doesn't maybe look like he has a future with this team, given that he was injured uh, during the league and, and, I'm and just, just isn't to throw this good. Out. Well, yeah, he was a trade throw-in, so it's fine. Yeah, the the players that are under contract, in let's not count Grant Jarrett, but Dante Exum, Trey Burke, Raúl Raun, uh, Necto. Yeah, I'm trying to do that correctly. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. My brother, if he's (laughs) listening, will tell me because he knows Portuguese. Uh, So Dante, Trey, Raul, Gordon Hayward, Alec Burks, Rodney Hood, Joe Ingles, that's seven. Uh, Derek Favors, Rudy Gobert, Trevor Booker, he was retained, so his contract is guaranteed now, that's 10. Trey Lyles is a draft pick, uh, Tiber Pleiss, and that's 12. So we have a full active roster already guaranteed under contract
1: but wait there's more there is more
2: because we have uh players with non-guaranteed deals those include bryce cotton elijah Millsap, christopher johnson and jack cooley we have olivier handlin as the second round draft pick who may be uh signed as well and some other training camp invitees or uh small deals like jj o'brien and uh potentially uh Cunningham and, and some other players that might be on the summer league as far as camp invitees.
1: So that's that's thirteen players before you count any of like Elijah Millsap, Bryce Cotton, Chris Johnson, uh, and Jack Cooley, or JJ O'Brien, who just got a small contract yesterday. Um so that's you know, that's eighteen players right there that really you can choose two of. If you waive Grant Jarrett, you can choose three of. Elijah Millsap, to me, and from everything Dennis Lindsay has said, sounds like he's on the roster. Mm-hmm. He gives you enough defensively that he he has a clear-cut NBA skill. Um, he's one of the best at fighting around pick and rolls, and right now that in the league is better than a, a lot of things.
2: You know? we, we talked earlier in the show, you mentioned that uh, despite the Jazz's depth, if one of those uh, starting caliber wing players, either Hayward, Alec Burks, or Rodney Hood goes down, that there is a gap to be filled, and I think Elijah Millsap is someone that the team feels very comfortable plugging in that hole if that were to happen.
1: Yeah, uh, along with Jingles. But then you can kind of have Jingles as your offensive guy and and Elijah as your defensive guy and kind of platoon him a little bit maybe if you need to, although it's hard because you have to play both ends. But, um, (laughs) you know, yeah, I I think that's definitely part of your roster. You want to at least be five deep at the wing slots for sure. Then you've got Chris Johnson, who I, I, again, I think is the next most likely to make the roster uh-huh. um, because he has a lot of 3 and D potential in that he's got size, he's he's good at defending, um, he hustles, He's he's got the corner 3 shot down, he's been making it in Summer League really well. Um, I, I think you can see the easiest path between him and becoming a rotation-caliber NBA player out of the rest of the players we've mentioned. Agreed. Then it's down to Bryce Cotton, uh, or Jack Cooley, quite frankly. I mean J.J. O'Brien again had the contract. I don't see really how you choose him over those other two guys given their summer league performance and Bryce Cotton's NBA performance. Um I think Grant Jarrett, like we talked about, is probably gone. He hasn't shown anything in the jazz uniform and uh got injured, you know, it just, it's not going to work out. You might as well just pay the million dollars since you have it and, and waive him.
2: Mm-hmm. So the real wild card in this, in this situation, I think, even though we, so we mentioned these, these two players, you know, Bryce Cotton and, and Jack Cooley that are kind of fighting probably for this last potential roster spot. But the real wild card is somebody who actually does have a contract, which is Trey Burke. The yeah. signing of Raul Neto really throws kind of an interesting signal About, well, if you brought this guy over and you want him active on your roster, you already know Dante Exum's your starter. You have Trey Burke as a backup. You have Bryce Cotton, who's proven he can be, at worst, a third-string point guard. Then why do you—well, there's just too many players for that one position. And depending on how they feel about the other guys, that may herald the— rumored long rumored deals since last season that Trey Burke
1: may be on his way out of Utah. Yeah, no, I, I think that makes sense. And I, I would honestly be kind of surprised if it happens this summer. Cause I, I don't think there's a lot of trade value for Trey Burke right now. Right. Um, so here's, here's what I predict happens. I think they probably keep cotton despite that. Meaning you have four point guards in the roster, but send him down to Idaho. Right. Then, um, or you know, you you send him down to the D League. You might have to make a trade in order for him to get to Idaho. That's a little bit confusing, but regardless, um, then you have Raul Neto, Trey Burke, and Dante Exum as your point guards. You use Trey Burke as your backup, and you see, hey, Trey Burke, this is your your one last chance left at really NBA minutes. If if you can't beat out Dante Exum for a starting spot, you know you're not going to be any point guard out in the league. Show us what you can do. Are you serious about this NBA thing? Um, are you an NBA player? And if he shows it in the next four months, great. Then you can keep him, and you know your Bryce Cotton problem is not that big of a problem. Right. Or if he, or you can trade him, and then get significantly more than you would get from right now, which quite frankly is probably like one or two firsts or one mm-hmm. or two seconds. Sorry. Right. Second round draft pick. Yeah, in two effort. firsts. Wow, I'd flip him tomorrow. Wait. No. Yeah, uh, the, I, I think that's ultimately the plan. And then you have Raul Neto take up over as a backup point guard, then rather mm-hmm. than right away. Now, if you can get a great deal in the next two months, sure, go ahead and do it. I don't think they're likely to.
2: And I and I also say and and let me not you know in my previous evaluation say that I'm eager to run Trey Burke out of town or anything because I think if he accepts the role of backup point guard and he's okay with doing that. He's not an amazing, you know, he's not a good defender. He's not a good shooter or anything, but he can score. He can provide a little bit of punch. I mean, you look at it, I'm just looking at it right now and thinking, is today, is Trey Burke better than either Neto or Cotton? Yeah. Yes. I think
1: think both of those guys, I'm pretty confident that he's at least a little bit better than.
2: So what you take this season to say is long term,
1: which of these guys is better? Right. And when you make that evaluation,
2: you move the guy who isn't, who loses out.
1: Yeah, and the guy who you have to pay sooner, too. You know, too. You've, you've got Trey Burke uh, under contract for two more seasons, including this next one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then you'll probably have to pay him some sort of extension. Uh, Bryce Cotton, you've got non-guaranteed deal. Raul Neto, you've got for three more years after this, so you, you have a little bit more uh, knowledge of what you're going to be paying those guys, and it's, it's very cheap. Gotcha. So, Jack Kool, I think, to me, then, is the, guy, is the odd guy out. Do you, do you agree? Do you disagree?
2: I do agree that he probably won't end up on the, on the actual playing roster with the Jazz. I think he's a, you know, if there's any way to get him up to Idaho, I think the Jazz would love to do that. I don't know if there's weirdnesses about his contract that make that impossible.
1: No, it, it's actually possible because he was signed from Idaho in the That's first place. That's right. So um, it's actually easier with Jack Cooley than it would be with Bryce Cotton, is, is my understanding. Okay. Um, So, you know, maybe you have a little bit of an incentive there to have Cooley be the guy who goes down. That seems to make sense. The thing about the non-guaranteed contracts, though, is uh, that you can really kind of edit your roster based on what ends up happening injury-wise during the season. So if you say, you know, look, I need six big men. Right now, the Jazz on this kind of proposed roster that you and I have talked about, they'd only have five. If they have six big men, if they need six big men because like Derek Favors, Rudy Gobert, Trey Lyles, Trevor Booker, any of those guys get hurt, then you call up Jack Cooley and wave Bryce Cotton or whatever the case might be. You know, you can have some flexibility there to say, I can't have this embarrassment of riches at the point guard spot anymore with four of them. Now I need some big men. You can make those adjustments. Ditto with the wing positions. You can move that around if you want. So you do have a lot of flexibility there in terms of being able to match what you actually need during the middle of the season. Makes sense. Cool. Well, let's go ahead and take our last break of the show. On the other side, we've got a jazz history what if. What if Andre Kirilenko was with the 97-98 finals team? Ooh. We'll discuss whether or not that would have... Do the, do the finals shake out differently, I think, is the question. Do the jazz end up winning the title? Uh, or, I don't know, is Brian Russell still a better player? Okay, I'm going to have to not, think that's about That's not this. true. Andre <laughs> Kirilenko. That's next on the Salt City Hoop Show. You're listening to us on ESPN 700.
2: I stumble through the haze of light you take the
0: fog out hit the lights you don't know where you have been you're listening to Salt City Hoops on Utah's number 1 sports talk ESPN 700
1: Guy sky is falling down on us at the Salt City Hoop Studios at ESPN 700. (laughs) Bringing it in with some Masha Kirilenko. Masha K, Russian pop star slash occasional English language clothier of fine... I don't even know what she sold. Do
2: clothes have a language? (laughs) (laughs)
1: If I make up the big word, I don't know how much that counts. (laughs) Thanks, John. Um... I do love. I actually love that song. I've said this before, but like, I'll drive around with that, like, pumping through my stereo. Dude, that's legit. I just bought a Volkswagen Beetle, by the way. Hey, congratulations! I have like a new car. I feel like this is actually a sadly fitting song for a Volkswagen Beetle. Um, (laughs) Anyway, I it's not the most manly of vehicles, but it is fun to drive, and I like it. Hey, listen,
2: that's all that matters. Beat it! I'm a weird kid. No that's and that's amazing. In fact, I just ha- I just have to mention since you brought up Volkswagen Beetle. Yeah. I saw the other day, this was on my Twitter it's several weeks ago. Maybe I'll repost it because I'm mentioning it. I saw a Volkswagen Beetle painted white with green dots on it as if it were an egg from the Mario video game character Yoshi. That's brilliant. And Very it actually Yoshi had egg? a decal on the back that said, like, Yoshi on the back window. Oh, that's so cool. And it was just tooling around UVU campus, and it was amazing.
1: Mine's white, but maybe I should do that with mine. Like, that's that's pretty brilliant. There's, I mean, I don't want to, like, exactly copy that idea, but I want to do, like, something close. We'll have to brainstorm on ideas, because we're both kind of video game guys, too. Like, exactly. There's got to be something cool. Um... I saw one that had like kind of green bottom blue top with some clouds on the top, and it was kind of like a sky oh, like the... like a
2: like a stage one one sort of look, yeah, yeah. all right,
1: um now that is cool, yes, <laughs> thank you John. very cool thing. salt city beetle talk salt city video <laughs> games talk all right we can we can create that website, yeah, um, I'm on it i know i I don't want to uh <laughs> But Volkswagen Beetle, lovely car, at least for the first two weeks of ownership, and then apparently you spend more money on than you really should on, you know, fixing it. But, whatever. <laughs> we have Basketball. A, we have a topic. Yes. And it's a good one, too, that we should probably spend more than four minutes on, but nevertheless, here we are. In a different world, if Andre Kirilenko was a couple of years older, would have jo- or joined the Jazz in 97 or 98. Remember, he was drafted in 1999 and didn't come over to Utah until two years later. But... Had he joined the Jazz in 1997 or 98, you get a rookie, second-year player, Andre Kirilenko. Do the finals shake up differently? Do the finals, yeah, do the Jazz win? Do they still lose in six games? What do you think? This was the question of the day, by the way, on slcdunk.com.
2: Yes. Here's my answer to it. If you're getting 2004 Andre Kirilenko, yes, the Jazz win. If you're getting 2001 Andre Kirilenko, Maybe I'm but I'm not sure. If you're getting what he how old he actually was and how de- developed he was as a basketball player really in nineteen ninety seven. Playing in Russia. Then no.
1: Yeah, I agree. Like sixteen year old Andre Kirilenko Absolutely is not, not good enough to make a difference. Uh but I think I think twenty year old andre Andrey may have been good enough. Like he was he was actually pretty good right out of the gate. 18 PR um, was still getting his tons of blocks, like four blocks per 100 possessions, 2.9 steals a game. You know, he was in many ways still a very good player, just, you know, didn't have the ball through his hands, obviously, with the Stockton and Malone team. Mm-hmm. I think maybe if you put him on Michael Jordan, and I know that's a crazy matchup for a 20-year-old, but maybe his length frustrates him a little bit. You know, that fadeaway jump shot is all of a sudden a little bit harder. We've seen, like, the Rudy Gobert, LaMarcus Soldier's thing, I think maybe the some of a similar thing happens with with MJ. I mean, is is that heretical to say?
2: You were making me picture that last jump shot in 1998 Sorry. again. Picturing Andre Kirilenko there does not take away the pain, Andy Larson. No, but okay. Of watching him, if Michael make Jordan
1: that shot. shoves off Andre Kirilenko, Andre Kirilenko falls through the floor, and maybe a foul is called.
2: <laughs> oh, so you're saying Kirilenko would flop? Is that what you're saying? Yes. Oh, so for sure. All right. You know, yeah, Michael he Jordan was, said and Brian he was Russell skinnier flopped too. anyway. He was skinnier.
1: Brian Russell did not. Did Michael Jordan really say that? I think he might have said that. Oh, don't even. <laughs> he didn't flop. There's no way that, like, now I'm just Brian casting. Russell was thinking, uh, I, you know, I'm going to try to get a foul and get the ball the other way for my team here. No, he was like, I'm going to Against the greatest player of all right. time, yeah. You know in that situation they're not going to call a foul. But I think, I, I think Andre has a chance to defend him better during the rest of the game, I guess. I, I think that's true. And, and and maybe you play him at a little bit of small ball four and you can defend um I mean, you kind of defend the paint better than I think the Jazz did especially in 98 um,
2: Is he a better shooter than Brian Russell? No,
1: he's worse for uh, sure. That's
2: what I would think. Um uh, I'm wondering how important it was to have mm-hmm. Brian Russell as that's a, good point. a shooting and floor spacing threat in addition to Stockton and Hornissaque. While leaving the inside for Ostertag and Carmelo,
1: I would say with Gary Sloan's offense, less so. You know, because it was not built on spacing, it was built much more on cutting and motion. Yeah. And motion. And I, and I think Andre was better at that than Brian Russell. So I would say it was both an offensive and defensive upgrade over, over him. All
2: right. I could see that. But again, this is, we're talking 2001 Andre,
1: not 16 yeah, year old Yeah, exactly. 16 year old Andre Kirilenko is, you know, not not doing anything. He's. Yeah, he's just not. I mean, because he's he's 16. That's how players work. Um, I feel bad, by the way, that Andre Kirlenko has has officially retired, and like that's that's the end of an era. Because he he was so good. He gets so much hate from people for the contract and and leaving. Thank you. <laughs> uh, I, I this makes me want to like invent a song right now about Andre Kirlenko. That just somehow fits this music, in. and and I I'm not a singer songwriter. I don't. I I'm don't just know having to
2: flashbacks to like school dances. Like, <laughs> I feel like I'm like 16 dang years old at Timpview High School in Provo. That's I ridiculous. I wouldn't slow down. Wait, you went with... to Timpview? I did go to Timpview. Really?
1: Yeah, you're my
2: instant best friend. Oh, awesome! Timpview Thunderbirds. Are you are you a Timpview guy, John? A, I'm a Timpview Thunderbird. Who's number one? Timpview. Timpview.
1: That's right. We have to talk. Yeah. <laughs> over this song maybe at a, at a <laughs> no. dance yeah
2: we're, we're going <laughs> to John and I are going to have a bromance for the rest and of the segment you can just shoulders. take it easy.
1: <laughs> this
2: is <laughs> uh, <laughs> Andy's feeling very I mean, uncomfortable if yeah. you're watching in the studio right now
1: No I I, I mean I would if Masha K went to Tim I'd dance with her <laughs> 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 is that Okay If Andre Karolenko did I would too like Andre that would a be an awkward prom date because he'd be like six foot nine, and you know it'd be weird to dance with. But b it's also Andre Karlenko. I don't know what we're doing in this show. <laughs> Luckily, that's our show. Thanks everyone for listening. Again, you can listen to it all on iTunes, Stitcher, ESPN700Sports.com, SaltCityHoops.com. Thanks again everyone for listening. This is the Salt City Hoops show. You've been listening on ESPN700.